Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Now, Robert Greenleaf famously said that nothing much happens without a dream. And therefore, for something great to happen, he said, there has to be a great dream. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible calls God by many names and gives him many attributes. But one of the ones that we often neglect is that God is a dreamer. Do you know that? Before anything was, God was, and he had a dream, a vision of a people that know him and represent him, of a church, of a bride, of a new creation, of people that have his spirit within them and of a world covered in his glory. And so, you know, many other organizations in our city, they exist for many different reasons. You know why we exist as Dr. Hatfield? You know why every church that gathers this morning exists? It's because we are the result of this dream that's in the heart of God. It's not just any dream. It's a great dream. It's the greatest dream that every person on earth would know this God, would represent this God, would come into fellowship with this God. And so today, as we are speaking of, globally, Doxodeo is today launching its new brand. But can I just tell you, the look and feel and the spit and shine, that is just a sideshow to this thing. Our branding simply represents who we are. And who we are is what Jesus says about us. His dream for the church is who we are. And doxado is famously represented by these two words, doxa and deo, which is a Greek and a Latin term for what? The glory of God. It's all about Him. And so I want to give you two key verses today that has given birth to what doxado is. And the first is Habakkuk 2 verse 14 that so famously says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The doxa of deo, what? As the waters cover the sea. And one of my kids once, we were speaking about this verse and she said, but I don't understand, how can waters cover the sea? Isn't the whole ocean water? Yes, that's the point. (laughs) That the glory of God, who God is, everything He is would cover the hearts and minds and pockets and neighborhoods and schools and businesses of the world as the waters cover the sea. That's the dream. And so today is globally, every Doxedo campus around the world speaks about the fact that this is what animates us. It's the glory of God. And where there is not yet glory in every heart and every space of our city, there the mission is. There our passion is. There our heart is. And Doxedo believes, like every other church, we are not a church for ourselves. We are but a small cog in a big machine called the global church. But we believe the vehicle for the glory of God to come to this city and every city on earth is what? It's the church. The vehicle for the glory of God is his bride, the church. And what is the church's focus? What is it that we wanna see happening in the city of Pretoria? There's this great website, um, it's called the scale of the universe. And you can basically just roll your mouse and you can go all the way from nanometers and mites all the way up to the Titanic and galaxies and beyond. You can just kind of keep on scrolling like that and see the very small all the way to the very big. And the point is for us to see that in the city, that's what the church wants to do. We wanna say that the very small, the heart of the individual, 
all the way to the very big, the very institutions and the fabric of our society, all of it must be covered by the glory of God. Every heart, every person, every child, every mom and dad, every businessman must be impacted by the good news of Jesus all the way up to how our very country functions. It's influenced by who Jesus is. Changed hearts, friends, will change the city. It's transformed lives that leads to a transformed community. Amen. Can we just get back into our amens, friends? Come on. You had to type it, and now you can say it. So don't let me stand in your way, all right? If I'm preaching bad, that's fine. But if there's something that's true, I want you to respond. So Micah 6 verse 8, one of these key verses again for us as a family. Micah 6 verse 8, often called the Micah mandate, God says, I have told you, O man, what it is that I require. And what is that? That we would act justly, that we would love mercy, and that we would walk humbly with our God. That is what we believe the church needs to be excited about in the city of Pretoria, is a lack of those three things. We've put it in a bit more modern language to say that what the church endeavors to do is what? To reach the lost. People do not walk humbly with their father that loves them. And so they run after other things that leave them empty. We want to reach the lost, spiritual lostness in our city. But secondly, we want to bring healing to the pain of our city. There is so much pain on every level of our city and we want to bring healing as the church. And thirdly, there is brokenness in our society, not just the small, but the great. There is systemic brokenness and the church has the resources and the reasons, the spirit within it to bring restoration to what is broken. God, yes, thank you, amen. And he works for the church, friends, that's beautiful. That is what we are called to do. So do you hear this morning that we don't just gather on a Sunday because it's nice, I don't gather because I was born into a Christian home because I wasn't. I gather here today because we have what? A calling, a vision, a dream. Nothing much happens without a dream. And for something great to happen, you need a great dream. There is a calling upon the global church. There's a calling upon Doxadeo as a family. And new branding just represents that today globally. But then there's also a calling on each and every campus we have one church in every city that we represented and with one eldership team, but we have different campuses. We've got 12 campuses here in Pretoria, campuses all around South Africa and globally. And that campus that we are in here today, Doxa Hatfield, we have a calling. We believe part of our calling under the Doxa family is to be a multi-ethnic church that looks like the city, that reaches the city, that's close to the university and the strip and says, we want to see a generation of students impacted by the glory of God. There's a calling. But then there's also a calling on you. There's a calling upon you. We like to use the phrase city changes. We're not just Christians for going to church. We are Christians for the city, Christians for the lost, for the pain, for the broken. And I want to take a couple of minutes today before we just celebrate what God is doing globally. I just want to take a couple of minutes and speak not just about the calling of the family or of us as a, as a campus, but I want to speak about your calling today. I want to look deep into your eyes as your mask is so helpfully just highlighting them for me. I want to look into your eyes and speak to you about the calling that God has upon your life. So Ephesians 4, 
We've preached about this before. We preached the whole book of Ephesians last year, but I want to highlight this one again. Key verse for Doxodeo. Ephesians 4.1, Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to what? Walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. A manner that's worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, one of the key themes of the book of Ephesians, as we saw, is this idea that the church is the body of God. Think about that. We are the body of Jesus, like paint being thrown onto an invisible man. In the city, how will the people see God? They will see him through the church. It's one of these key ideas. And so Paul says that every single Christ follower, if you are a Christian here today, you form part, you are a crucial ligament and limb to the body of God in the city. And that means when that grips me, that God has called me, it means that my life suddenly takes on a purpose that it would not have. Think about this. If I buy into secular scientism that says science is not just a brilliant way to observe the world, but it's the way to understand my purpose, it means I have no purpose further than this life. But God says you have a calling, a purpose, not to just suck up air and make money and go on holiday and hope you find a good spouse. No, you have greater purpose than that. You have purpose from God. But Paul knows that if he just lays this on us, come on, you're calling, come on, purpose, come on, try harder, what's going to happen? We'll end up in performance. We'll end up in, uh, you know, comparing ourselves to other people. We'll end up on the treadmill of religion, trying harder. So what does he do in Ephesians? The first three chapters, he just speaks about how good the good news of Jesus is. And he says, you think it's good. You have no idea. It's so good. The last six weeks in our series, Not Do But Done, we've just been speaking about the goodness of the good news. And on the back of that, then he kicks off in chapter four, verse one, and he says, and therefore, now, therefore, on the back of this good news, there is more. There's more for you to discover. You have not just been saved, released, adopted to hang around and wait for heaven. No, there is a new creation at hand. So step up. It's not to earn it, it's so that you can from the place of acceptance and identity in God realize you have a calling, you have a purpose, you have a vision. God has in, in, you know, he's enlisted you into his family and into his army. And so here's the big thought. If this helps you today, I'll just mention it at the end again. What is it that you need to be gripped by? It's this, that our city of Pretoria Every city where we find ourselves, it will be transformed by the good news of the gospel when? When every single Jesus follower comes to understand, embrace, and walk out their unique calling together. The city will be transformed. Our city will be impacted by the good news of Jesus when? When every single Jesus follower in the city comes to understand and embrace and walk out their unique calling together, you have been called. Yes, amen. Thank you, Bravani. So two things just today. I want you to realize that God says about your calling, you have to seek it out continually. Seek out your calling continually. 
He says that I've, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk what? In a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Do you see that? Not my friend has been called, not my spouse has been called, not, you know, the guy on stage at church or that big Christian that I know in the office. You have been called, Paul says. You have a calling. And Dr. Art Lindsay, he so helpfully says that you have two sides, two dimensions of this calling. The one is a general call. There's a general call upon every single Christian. And then there is a particular calling upon your life. So what is that general call? He says the Holy Spirit calls every single Christian into salvation through Jesus, into a new kingdom, into a new family, from darkness to light, from lostness to relationship. He has called you to life. That's a general call. And it's a call that is affected. It's, it's made reality by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit calls us to it. I'll just mention 1 Peter 2.9 says, For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Romans 1.6 says, For you have been called to belong to Christ Jesus. But for us to stay true to this calling, we have to realize it's not something we earn. We don't earn relationship with God. We receive it in faith through Jesus. We can never make it work. Jesus did a finished work and we receive it. It's the general call of every person on this earth to know Jesus, to know their father through his work. But then Dr. Idlins, he says, there's a particular call on every Christian's life. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship. Isn't that beautiful? We are the workmanship of God. Why? We are created in Christ Jesus. That's new life. That's new birth. That's that general call. Why? So we can hang around? No, he says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared for you today, if you're a Christian, He has prepared works, good works, works that through your life, through your work, through your family, through friendships, through your connections and the skill set and the passion that you have, that you would glorify God and bring good to the people around you. Bring glory to God and bring good to the people around you. He has prepared a good work for you. And these things are expressed in languages as vocation and passion and job and vision and purpose and gifting and skill. God has put those things in you. So think about the general call as saying, I'm going to go to Cape Town. That's my plan. That's the general call. Let's, I'm, I'm, it's probably like more or less in this direction. Going to Cape Town. But the yes, amen. But we are called to Gauteng. Amen. All right. Let them be a state on their own. So the general direction is to Cape Town, but how exactly you get there, which roads you take, where you stop, what vehicle you use, that's the particular call. All of us have got the same general calling. Know God, represent God. But how you do that, oh friend, God says, I have prepared something for you. You have a calling. So it's so crucial that I ask myself, what does this calling look like in my life? I need to seek it continually. And you know what that looks like? It's not some mechanical thing. I can't give you a test today or a five-point questionnaire to help you discover it. No, it's much more relational than that. 
I think of the way that, you know, we've got three kids. The youngest is now four years old. So the whole nappy season, is, it's kind of done for us at this point. For all those prophets who say fourth one, get behind me, Satan, that's all I say. But there was a season where, when, you know, our kids were little. The first time when we had, you know, Abby is now nine. I remember that first couple of evenings, I'm sleeping. I'm like dead, 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 dead in, in like REM sleep. And I just hear this noise. What is this noise? Like who's strangling a cat somewhere or what's happening? Is someone breaking in? And then you kind of wake up from your slum and you realize it's the baby. It's like calling you. And you kind of get up and you go and attend. But over the next couple of days, you become so finely attuned to that voice. You can hear that voice in a full stadium of people. You can just hear it. There's a connection. There's, there's, a, there's a sensitivity that builds up to that voice. All the tired young families, people, I can see those eyes. You're like, yes, we're attuned to that voice, my friend. But that's exactly how it works with God. There's no, it's not a mechanical thing to say, God, what does my calling look like? It's a lifelong process in every season of life saying, God, what do you want me to do in this season? What does it look like? Where have you placed me? What's in my hand? What are the skill sets and the giftings and the passions in this season? Whether you are 15 years old or 85 years old, what in this season is your calling from God? Ask Him. Pursue Him. Seek out your calling continually. Whether you are a teenager, an empty nester, retired, young family, you have in this season a calling from God. But let me help you with maybe just a couple of practical things. How do I discern this calling in every season of life? It will change. Every season of life, same direction, but the particulars will change. You need four things. The first thing is you need a biblical worldview. You need a worldview that's not primarily shaped by Netflix and the news and politics. You need a worldview, a way of viewing your world, your own life and those around you through the biblical perspective of the kingdom. So 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink, which is the, the Middle Eastern way of saying, whatever you're doing, friend, working, playing, holidaying, you have to do this how? It says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, that's a biblical worldview. But secondly, Philippians 2 verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, there's enough of that in the world, but take on the interests of others. He says you have to have the same attitude that Christ had. So a biblical worldview, for instance, is saying that every single thing that I do, my money, my relationships, my sexuality, my work, my future, my friendships, my number one question is, God, what's your purpose here? God, where's your kingdom here? Everything that I do is filtered through that one thing. Not God, I take you on at the end. God, you're like a nice Sunday hobby. No, God first and God only. And then secondly, the good of other people. God, how is my work, my family, my money? How is that? How is it marshaled for the good of the people in this city, the people around me, the people of this country? So no matter what I'm doing, I have to bring glory to God and good to other people. A biblical worldview. But the second thing you need is self-knowledge. With regard to your skills and your passions and your gifting, how has God constructed you? I don't know. I'm just struggling to figure out how he's constructed me. So I can't help you too much yet. 
But there's a self-knowledge that God wants you to develop. How has God put me together with my passions and my gifting, with my history and my connections? So you need to take regular time just in the presence of God and ask Him to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What does it look like? Take time for self-reflection, for meditation. If you wait for God to write it in the clouds, you are wasting your time. I guess if you're stubborn enough, you will eventually do that. But there's this beautiful voice of the Spirit that He's saying, listen to me. Open up your heart to what I'm saying. In the boardroom, in your house, while on a holiday, as you go into your commune or to the university, what is the Spirit saying about who I am and how I've been put together? But thirdly, you need community. Isn't it true? You cannot do this on your own. You need Christian friends and Christian leaders and Christian community that loves you enough to affirm you at times and say, don't give up. I know it's difficult in the office. I know you hate your boss and he's basically Satan reincarnated. I realize that you get frustrated with some areas of your work. I know that studies at the moment is sucking the life out of you. Hold on. God has called you. You're not just waiting for time to go by. God has called you. Don't waste another Monday not knowing that God has called you into that Monday. So we need encouragement and love, but also we need truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. I need people who will at times challenge some of the things in my life and say, you are veering from the calling that God has upon your life. Don't buy into what you're buying into. God has got a too precious calling upon your life. I'm calling you back. I'm challenging the untruths of the enemy in your heart. We need community. And fourthly, we need wisdom and discernment from the Holy Spirit. Isn't it true? We need the wisdom and the discernment of the Holy Spirit, asking Him for guidance in the big things and the small. You need a worldview. You need self-knowledge, community, and you need the Spirit. I love how Professor Brian Borges, he's from Regent University, he puts it like this, plain language. It's so important, my calling. He says, if you really want to find your calling, you need to look at your skills and talents and take an honest assessment of your interests and then look at what the world needs and how you can serve it. It isn't about income or prestige or pleasing man. It's about making sure that you are a great steward of the skills and talents God has given you in a way that best serves the kingdom and your fellow man. Amen. You have a calling. You have a calling. So seek it out. Whether you are 15 or 85, God is not done with you. How do I know that? Because you are sitting here and your heart's beating. He has a calling upon your life. Or most of you look like your heart's beating at least. Church jokes, friends, they're back. <laughs> Seek out your calling continually. But then secondly today, it's just this. Walk out that calling faithfully. Seek it out continually every season of life, but then walk it out faithfully. Paul says, I urge you to walk how? In a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. In a manner. And two key observations here is that Greek word that's translated as walk, it's often translated as live or conduct. What is he saying? Live in a way that speaks of your God. Live in a way that speaks of the beauty of Jesus. That he's not just useful, he's beautiful and he's transforming. And secondly, in other words, what Paul is saying 
is if he's, he's calling the church, inviting them to walk in that way, what does it mean? It means we have a choice. Do you see that? We have a choice. I can choose to not walk in a way that's worthy of my calling. It won't change my calling, but I can choose to step away from it. So Paul is saying, don't do that. I'm rallying you today that you do not know what the, the capacity is that God has put in you. Even if you could dream it, it would still be too small in terms of what God can do through your life. It's still too small. God has an unlimited capacity. If you were to take 10 million steps in this life alone toward Him, He would allow you 1 million more. He would say, come, you don't know what I can do through you. So I can choose that. And Paul is saying, come on, you can. Why not take the lid off your life for the gospel? Why not dream with God? And therefore, it's so important that we ask the, the where and the how question of our calling, isn't it? Where do I do this? And how do I do this? And I believe that for every question, the where and the how in the general, again, it's so simple. Because it is, you know, we often have this very unhelpful split. We see the sacred and the secular. We see the pastors and the people. We see my church life and my work life. But the, the biblical worldview is not like that at all. It sees all of life as God's life. Listen to how Paul, who's you know, a full-time pastor in our language, he is the guy who planted more churches in the New Testament than anyone else. He wrote most of the New Testament with Luke. This guy is a super Christian, right? He's got a fish on his car and all of that stuff. He posts regularly to Instagram impactful messages of Christianity. He's that guy. And yet, listen to how he speaks to Christians like you and me who are in the marketplace, the doctors and the, 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 the painters and the programmers. Listen to what he says to them. Philemon 23, he says, you are my what? My congregant, my follower, because I'm the pastor. No, he says, you are my co-worker. You are my co-worker. Philippians 4, you are my true partner. Or Colossians 4, he says, my co-workers, those who go to work on a Monday. And it's not the church building. He says, you are my co-worker. We are walking together for the kingdom of God. Every single one of us, do you see a split there between the sacred stuff and the secular stuff, between the pastor's life and the people's life? No, it's all the same. We have the same calling and it's expressed in these two spaces. I believe every single one of us is called to take up leadership and responsibility, both in the gathering of the church and in the gathering and the scattering of the people in the city. When the church gathers, you have to take responsibility there. And when the church scatters into the city, you have a responsibility to take up. Some of us say, no, 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 that's not how it works. I stand with both feet in the church as a pastor. The professionals will do the work. The evangelists, you know, the full-time missionaries. You know, my role is I stand with both feet in the city. I'm a businessman, I'm a teacher, I'm a mom. And I go to church every now and then. And Paul says, no, you are my partner. You stand with a foot in each of these every single day of your life. You take up responsibility and leadership in the gathering of the church and you take up responsibility and leadership in the city, in the marketplace. Yes, at times you may be way a bit into the one or the other, but all of us are called to both. 
All of us are called to both. We cannot just come to church and observe and attend. Community group is a thing I go to. No, church is something I belong to. It's a passion that I live out of. We are called to have our feet in both. And the how, friends, is very simple, actually. If that's the way, the how is very simple. Serve God and those around you with excellence, passion, and consistency. Can you get it simpler than that? How do I do this? You serve God with the passions and skills and gifting that you have, the vocation. I keep thinking of, you know, just some of the guys in our church with different callings and vocations. I think of Wayne. He's an electrician. Tomorrow morning, he has a calling from God to serve him with glory in a way that every cable that he lays will speak to the glory of God and a way that will serve the people of the city. And you do that with the hope that spiritual loss, and social pain and systemic brokenness, God, give me the opportunities to influence. Give me the moments that I can speak into, that I can build, that I can break down what the enemy is trying to do, that I can follow the spirit. We do that with passion and excellence. I love Romans 12 verse six and the New Living Translation. It's so good. It says, so if God has given you, put your name in there, the ability to prophesy, then what do you do? You speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then what? Serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Whether you are 15 or 85, take the season that you are in and serve God and serve others with passion, excellence, and consistency. So let's see if I can cover the spectrum here today. Let's see if we can do this in depth. So whether you are a painter, programmer, preacher, poet, plumber, postman, pediatrician, or a pastor, walk out the calling to which you have been called with excellence and passion. Amen? Let's do one more. Whether you are a salesman, singer, scientist, secretary, social worker, sociologist, surgeon, or a sportsman, walk out the calling to which you have been called with excellence and passion. We should do one more, right? Come on, just for me. Whether you are a magistrate, microbiologist, manager, mechanic, mathematician, mayor, medical rep, or musician, amen, the musicians, walk out the calling to which you have been called with excellence and passion. Can we just say this again, friends? How will our cities be transformed? When the pastors, come on, fill up the stadiums and we build big buildings. Maybe, maybe not. I think this is the way. Our cities will be transformed. The city of Pretoria will be transformed. This country will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus. When? When every single Jesus follower comes to understand, embrace, and walk out their calling together. Friends, <laughs> nothing much happens without a dream. And so for a great thing to happen, we need a great dream. And God has dreamt up a great dream, the greatest of dreams. Habakkuk 2.14 
For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the doxa of Deo, as the waters cover the sea. You have been called. Say yes. Say yes. Let's stand together. I want us to take just a moment and pray. And I'm going to leave just a big space of just emptiness, of just silence. Because I believe today, as God is stirring the Doxideo family, I believe He wants to stir you. He wants to call you. He wants to come and cut through the noise. How much noise has the last four weeks just entered into your heart? Amen. Here's a moment, friends. Don't let it pass. Here's a moment where you can invite the Holy Spirit and say, God, in this season of my life, in this city that you've placed me, in this family, in this vocation of singleness, whatever it is, God, what do you want me to do? Let's just leave a bit of time and ask the Spirit just to speak to us. Jesus, I pray this morning that the life-giving words that you speak to every person. I just pray, I just, Kevin, I have you on my heart this morning, God, that God is speaking to you so powerfully, that he loves you, that you are his beloved son, and he has a calling upon your life in the engineering world. Say yes. God, I just pray this morning, that every single one of us, God, would be so intimately aware and excited about the calling upon our lives. May we live for the glory of God. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's try again. Everyone said? Amen. Oh, it's so nice. Beautiful, beautiful.